every society is different, you know. But here in the U.S., one thing I liked about this um, society is the the abundance of opportunity, you know. Um, although at that point in time, I really did not see all the opportunities that were available to me. But what I saw was way more than what I was exposed to in my home country, Cameroon. And uh, my understanding of opportunities was you have to go out and work and get a job, get paid and work more hours. And if you need more money, you go work, you go put in more hours. So that was my understanding. And that is the predominant understanding in most um, people um, in, in my community, in the immigrant community. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 156. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Good. How are you doing? Anything new? We're coming up on almost three years of the show here. We started November of 17, right? So getting there, getting close to three years. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm I'm, I'm super pumped, uh, you know, what we have in the future. And we've talked to so many millionaires and, and learned so much from them. And we plan on, on bringing some products and, and services to the marketplace for, for all of our listeners and getting super excited about all that and, and just connecting with more millionaires and learning more and more from them. Yeah, we tend to learn some from all of them, right? Also, the show's coming up on a million downloads, right? Yeah. So, a million downloads on Millionaire. So, uh, that's pretty interesting, too. One thing I just shot over to you on text was I logged into LinkedIn and I saw somebody post, someone that I connected with posted, 90% of millionaires become millionaires through real estate. And I just, I texted to you because I'm like, where is this guy getting this information? Because of the interviews we've done, we're at about, this is episode 156, we probably have 20 or so more in the pipeline ready to be released. So we're at 175 or so millionaires. And I think we've decided from our data, right, that about 25% have come just through real estate. So 75% in a sense, or I guess 25% in a sense have no real estate at all, right? So I don't know where that number comes from, but I just thought that was pretty interesting. He was sending it out. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's been tossed around. I don't know who the original author is, but it's one of those things I think that's been you know, shared amongst real estate investors and real estate groups in general. And, you know, I think probably 90% of, of millionaires have owned real estate at one point or another, mainly because a lot of them have owned a primary residence. But I don't know that I agree with. Well, in fact, we know I don't agree with based on the data that we have and, and data that's been shared with us in, in some big millionaire studies that millionaire 90% of millionaires were made by real estate. Yeah. And that's what they're saying, right? They're like, all right, if somebody owned a house, they have real estate, boom, 90%. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit misleading, unfortunately, for, for the greater public. But like a lot of things are nowadays, right? Like we, we, we've got to fact check everything. Yeah. What's truth? Yeah. So just, I think people probably know, and maybe if they listen to the episode we launched a couple of weeks ago from the interviews that we've done about 50% of the millionaires have done it through both investing in the stock market and real estate. About 25% or maybe it's even a little lower, I think, Jace, probably now, right? We haven't had a lot of people that are just solely real estate. About 20, 25% maybe are just in real estate and about the same for people that invest just in the market. So we did a few interviews this week, one of whom was just in the market and the others were split, right? Yep. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting stat to share. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think, you know, you get a lot of these statistics thrown around and we've got some got some things coming in the pipeline that, you know, you want to call a myth debunking or, or getting granular into some of the data, of you know, real millionaires, not not people that have put in surveys, 
people that have actually divulged their portfolios, given us, you know, significant amount of data, even more data than, than is shared on the show and, and that we publicize and stuff. So we'll be able to get into some of the detail and really get into statistics based on real millionaires here shortly. It'll be real exciting. So last week on the show, we had John. He had a net worth of $2.5 million. He's 36 years old. He comes from a family of immigrant parents, and he started working at a startup right out of college. And he provided some interesting advice uh, related to working for a startup uh, versus going into maybe a, a more traditional corporate route. A lot of young millionaires recently, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's 36. We interviewed another guy this week that his, he's what, 34? His yeah. wife's 30, 32. He's worth almost $2 million. So our average age of at least reaching millionaire, it seems like, is starting to come down a little bit. It, it has. It definitely has started to come down. I think it's still, uh, for the most part, we've had a lot reach that in their mid to late 30s, but definitely some of the more recent interviewees are, are younger, which, may, you know, makes sense a little bit, right? Like we've, we've had a little bit of inflation, you know, in the marketplace, salaries have gone up, we've had been on a, a significant bull market, you yeah, know, in real exactly. estate. Yeah, You're working on a 10-year bull, right? Yeah. That makes a big difference. <laughs> makes a huge difference, right? It's very, it's not a lost decade, like some of the, you know, the people in their 40s or 50s might have experienced, or even 60s, where they had to make up for, for some of those you know, lost gains or, or no right. gains. Right, right. So today's show, we've got Leslie. Leslie is a multifamily investor. His net worth is $500,000. He's got about 40% of that in, in real estate, the rest in, in some uh, retirement assets. He's an immigrant and he started working at McDonald's for $5.25. So although not a millionaire yet, he's well on his way and he's got a great story to share with everybody. Uh, like we've mentioned before, we like to profile some of these that, that are well on their way, not quite to millionaire status, uh, and we'll bring them back on and, and, and track their portfolios with them over the course of, of their life. And we've had a ton of listeners reach out uh, asking for stories like this where they can relate uh, to some of these stories where people may, may not be at 5 million or 10 million or 2 million or whatever. And so we brought on, you know, a few over the course of the last couple of years and, and continue to do so. Uh, those that are well on their way. And, and Leslie's one of them. It's going to be a great interview. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Also, we've got some multifamily opportunities uh, in the pipeline. If you're interested in those, also send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Appreciate all you tuning into the show week after week. We continue to grow. We continue to have a very engaged audience. We've been able to connect with several of you lately, and, and we really appreciate you reaching out. We love having these conversations and continuing to build this community and, and, and kind of debunk some of the things that are that are out there and, and I really just allow all of us to learn. You know, a lot of this, the things that we discuss and uh, on some of these calls are just not things that are, are widely uh, uh, shared. You're really appreciative to, to all our listeners for that. So without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Leslie. Leslie, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Leslie. I'm a real estate investor here based in the Maryland area. Our focus is uh, multifamily syndications. Um, started uh, my company in 2019 to focus on uh, multifamily syndications. I have two partners, two great guys that we work with. And um, we've been out here working since 2019 and um, trying to make some things happen for ourselves and our investors. That's awesome. And what what is your net worth today? Um, it's right around below five hundred thousand, right around the five hundred thousand area. And all of that is real estate currently? No, no. Um, I start most of that is in like um retirement accounts, and um, and maybe about forty percent is in real estate. 
and the forty percent's in the syndications you own, or do you have other real estate as well? No, I have other real estate. I started um, single family um, investing, um, so I own a rental property, and then um, uh, in like two different syndication deals. Awesome. So let's let's rewind here a little bit. Give give us a little bit of history of, of who Leslie is and where Leslie came from to today to be doing syndications. What have been your kind of work history prior to now? Okay. So um, I came to the U.S. Uh, in 2000. Um, I was 18 years old. My mom had immigrated to the U.S. and then brought us over. Came in, started off very excited to go after the American dream. Started off my first job at McDonald's, making five twenty-five an hour. I was, I thought I was a millionaire with the five twenty-five an hour at that point in time. So uh, in 2000, I um, studied computer science and. Um, uh, right in the middle of my studies, the dot-com crash happened. And I noticed a lot of people that were um, in that field that I was looking up to losing their jobs and having to fetch and go and try something else. So that that was like a really, really down moment for me. Wasn't quite sure where my life was going to go. Wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. I really love computers. Kind of at that point, almost gave up on the whole school thing and just wasn't uh, making right decisions. So um, around 2002, I got in a really bad car accident um, where I had to be airlifted to the hospital. I had left some, a party and fell asleep on the wheel and um, got on a head-on collision. And um, after that accident, I really made a decision to change my life and to um, do something serious with my life. Uh, my mom is a nurse, so she had been trying to encourage me to get in the healthcare field. So I thought, let me give this a try. So I packed my bags, moved from Maryland to North Carolina, got into nursing school, completed nursing school in 2008, moved back to Maryland. And right around there, the um, crash of 2008 was happening as well. And I'm at work, newly hired, and I'm um, thinking about making a living for myself. And I'm seeing all these other nurses that are losing a significant portion of their retirement from the market crash. Like all the nurses that were close to retirement, one actually had to postpone her retirement by a, a few years. And that really um, affected me. I remember telling myself at that point in time that, I don't want to ever find myself in this position. I just didn't know what to do. I wasn't quite sure what direction to take. Everybody, most of my community, um, most of my immigrant community, we mostly focus on education. Education is usually the way out of everything. That's what we thought. So um, I thought maybe getting another degree would be the right thing to do to protect myself and my family. So I got an advanced degree in anesthesia. And started working as a nurse anesthetist. It's been a very rewarding career for me so far. The pay is it's it's great. I'm able to take care of my family and uh, put some money aside, which I've built over time, that allowed me to be able to invest in real estate. But while working as a nurse anesthetist, um, I just knew that this cannot be it for me. There has to be more. Uh, there has to be more out there that I needed that I could do. And that's how right around the time when I was going through this thought process, I read an article on Yahoo News talking about the author of Rich Dad Poor that came out with a book for millennials that are under with student loan debt. And it talks about everything. It's a good book. So I bought the book. The name of the book is Second Chance at Your Money and Your Life by Robert Kiyosaki. And when I started reading that book, the light bulb went off. That's when I really got exposed. I really got my financial education actually started when I started reading that book. So I learned about the financial system, learned about um, everything there. So a lot of the things he talked about the book, he talked about educating myself, um, networking with other people that are doing it, 
um, reading more books on personal growth and personal development, and just reading autobiographies, going reading books from other successful business people. And I started doing exactly that. Started doing exactly that. Started ne- networking with people. Then um, finally took the courage and um, took the plunge and bought my first rental property in 2017. Did that. Um, did the renovations on there. Really enjoyed doing the work on the property and seeing it coming to life. And then getting a tenant in there. Then um, fortunately for me. Uh, this was not due to some calculation or genius on my part, but although the after repair value based on our calculation was supposed to be, um, was enough to get us, um, cash out refi at the end, but right around that same time to the values in that particular area went up. So, um, the values of that building of that, um, of our, my apartment went, went up tremendously. So to me, that was like the proof of concept. That's the more moment I decided, you know, this is re- this real estate. I really enjoy doing it and it works. It actually works if you do it the right way. So I'm going to dive in and do it, um, dive in deeper and work on it. So, um, got more involved in the real estate side. Then at that point, right around that time, I met my first partner, Tenny. He was, uh, my wife introduced me to, to him. Um, I like to say that my wife got tired of me talking about real estate and then found me a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tenny and I, at that same time, we were reading, um, Elon Musk, uh, his autobiography. So when he came and we started talking, I realized, um, he is young. He's from the immigrant community, like the African immigrant community, like myself. He's probably the only other person I met in that community that is into personal growth and personal development like me. So we connected on that and, um, started sharing resources, different mentors we were listening to. Then on um, Fridays, we'll meet and play um, cash flow board game by Robert Kiyosaki and just talk about life, about business, get to know each other. We did that for a few months. So then at that point, I was looking to acquire a few more um, rental properties. And he was like, why don't why don't I just partner with you and let's do it together? I'm like, sure, that's fine. I think you'll bring some value to it because he has a business background. He is from here, owns a financial services company. So we partnered up, dug in, said, let's do some research, figure out exactly what area of real estate that we want to focus on. Started reading, looking at, listening to podcasts, looking at different avenues. We looked at like buying more rentals and um, getting like a good portfolio of rentals. We looked at um, assisted living. We looked at different stuff like retail, trying to do commercial on the retail office site. Then we came across multifamily and that made complete sense for what our goals are, the growth that we're looking to achieve, and what areas we're trying to grow into. So we decided to focus on multifamily, to put in all our efforts, put in all our all our eggs in one basket and watch it like a hawk. And that's exactly what we did when we started Excite Capital Investment. Wow. And uh, it, it's been a, a really exciting journey, a lot of learning, a lot of growth that has happened. So I, I'm just grateful that I, I am where I am today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you sharing. And there's so much to get into there. I just, before we dive into some of these things you mentioned on the real estate side, let's just back it up. The, the money yeah. that you, you don't have invested in real estate, how is that invested? Is that in the stock market, invested in bonds, index funds, actively managed mutual funds? It's, it's currently in the stock market, but I'm looking to um, to move that out and put it more on my business, which I which I could manage better. And maybe get back in the market at some point in time. It's currently in the stock market because when I started working, I signed up for the um, employee retirement plans. And um, I just didn't know what to do about money. So a lot of that money is in the stock market on index funds. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. 
And then you're looking maybe to self-direct it or sell it out of the market and, and invest it in some real estate. Absolutely. I'm looking to self-direct it. Okay. So I just want to ask you, Leslie, b- being an immigrant, and, and you, you said you had a group of immigrants, right, that you connect with. What were some of the biggest challenges for you, either A, when you first came to the country or, or B, getting started in your career? You said education was a big piece you guys emphasized, right? Yes. What were some of the challenges for you initially, maybe that you didn't perceive at first? Um, it's, it's a huge cultural shock when you move from another country to the U.S. It takes some time to adapt. It's a huge cultural shock. Um, so you have to adapt to everything, the you have to ad- adapt to the way people speak over here. You know, every society is different. Every society is different. You know, he, but here in the U.S., one thing I liked about this um, society is the the abundance of opportunity. You know, um, although at that point in time, I really did not see all the opportunities that were available to me. But what I saw was way more than what I was exposed to in my home country, Cameroon. So I was just excited about those opportunities that were here and just jumped in and try to work as much as, as I could. And uh, my understanding of opportunities was you have to go out and work and get a job, get paid and work more hours. And if you need more money, you go work, you go put in more hours. So that was my understanding. And that is the predominant understanding in most um, people um, in, in my community, in the immigrant community. Did you work as a boy, Leslie, in Cameroon before you before you came here? Did you have jobs there? No, no, I I never did. I, I helped. I worked on uh, one of my uncles. He had a, a poetry. I worked for him just like holiday stuff, but no official job. No. So your first job was here in the U.S.? Yes. And you moved when you were 18? Yes. Well, very cool. Congrats on your success. It's an awesome story. So thank you. Thanks for sharing it. We appreciate it. So tell us about this this first deal. So in, in 2017, you say, yeah. okay, I, I want to invest in some real estate. Then what? Did you, what what kind of property was it? How did you find it? And, and how did you buy it? How did you pay for it? It's a condo. Um, it's a condominium, two bedrooms and a den that we ended up converting the den to a third bedroom. So um, it was brought to my attention by the real estate agent, the same real estate agent that sold me my own personal residence. Because when he helped me with my house, I was telling him I'm really looking to invest into real estate in a, in about a year or a few months. So um, he he was very familiar with that area. He has helped other investors bought a bunch of properties over there. So when this came about, he reached out to me and said, this is a really good one. I think you should buy it. Um, this area is very good. It's right next to a very desirable um, public school. So um, with that area, I financed it. I purchased it together with my younger brother. We financed it, everything out of pocket from our savings to um, get a bank loan for the the remainder of the property finance, um, putting the down payment and the repair cost was out of pocket as well. Wow, good for you. And then how long did you hold it for? Um, we, we still own the property. Oh, you still own it. Sorry, you just yeah, refinanced still, it. Gotcha. Yeah, we just refinanced, yes. Okay. So I, I know I'm jumping around here, but as I'm reviewing my notes and, and thinking about the conversation, other things are coming to mind. So you mentioned you connected with your current partner on personal development, right? Personal yes. growth stuff. Yes. Where did that start for you and how did that start? Is that, I don't know if you had siblings that taught you that, your, your mother you said you moved with, did you have a mentor? Was it, where did your desire to, to do that, right? Because I'm, I'm reading this book right now. I'm sure many people have heard of it. It's called The Slide Edge. Mm-hmm. by Jeff Olson. And he estimates in that book, I just read this chapter a few days ago, that about 10% of people are willing to really work on themselves, on self-improvement mm-hmm. and, and personal growth. So 
How did you become one of those 10% if that number's accurate? Where did that drive come from initially? I, you know, I wish... I wish there was somebody in my um, environment that w- that had exposed me to this. I probably would have started a long, long time ago. I, it, it, again, I credit Robert Kiyosaki and that book, Second Chance. Um, I just followed the steps that he gave out in the book because I was at a point in life where I had finally accepted that this path that I was taking, that I had been taught that is supposed to be the path, is not the right one for me. So at that point, I was really open to any information because a lot of this stuff, the personal growth stuff is nothing new. It's been around for for decades, for years, right? But if you're not open to it, it's not going to make sense to you. So at that point in time, I was really open to improving myself and making changes. When you when I came to that realization that the path I'm taking is not what the path I want to take, I was open to um, taking another path. So he mentioned in the book, he talked about Earl Nightingale. I looked Earl Nightingale up. I saw one of his tapes. I bought it, and I was listening to that tape almost every day as I drove to work. He talked about autobiographies. I bought the Elon Musk, Steve Jobs autobiographies. I read it. And then from that, you know, when you start consuming, especially now with the internet and marketing, when you start consuming this kind of content, going to YouTube and listening to this stuff, the ads you get relate to stuff like that. And that's how I came across one of the communities that has had a tremendous impact on my own personal growth, the Mind Valley community, um, just by an ad on YouTube that kept popping, kept popping. I said, well, let me check this out and see what's going on here. Yeah. You know, and that, that is, so it's just been like one little step leads to another, mm-hmm. one little step leads to another. Then you meet somebody else that has read these books. Then they're like, oh, then once you start going out to the real estate comp events, and you meet a lot of people that are involved in this, this that giving you more information as well. So yeah, that, that, that's the path. That's my path. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Good for you. And and you say the path you were going down isn't isn't what you wanted, but you didn't. You weren't on that bad of a path, right? You had an advanced degree. You were a nurse. What what is it about it that made you look? And I don't mean that in the bad way at all. Mm-hmm. What made it? What made you want more? Was it freedom and flexibility with your time? Was it money? What drove you to look for something more than what you were doing as, as a nurse? I think freedom and flexibility with the time, um, that's that's one. The other thing is right from a very young age, I've always had this belief that um, I can do way more. I can contribute way more, you know. And um, that, like I said, the career is not bad. The pay, according to normal standards, is good. It's not the the motivation is not purely money. You know, the motivation is what I am able to do to my community and what I'm able to contribute to my society. From a very young age, even when I had nothing, even when we barely had to eat, you know, with like I always had this imaginations of doing better you know, of being, of contributing better. So um, when I got to that point, you know, and just exchanging my my time for for pay, it just didn't seem like I was giving enough of myself. So that's why I thought, you know, that I, I said to myself, you know, I've taken this career path. I've had the advanced degrees. I have a good job with a good salary. And if I am here and I don't still feel like this is where I need to be, then I need to make a change. Yeah, well, good for you. And now I can see you're you're into the personal development and personal growth a lot. Because when we first just started chatting on video, you had like some some dream boards and and, <laughs> and quotes behind you, right? Oh, you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So what do you do now with that? You just keep reading, listen to podcasts, books, networking. Is, is that what you're doing now to, to keep it going? I just um, keep improving um, my, I guess, just like um, feeding your brain on a daily basis. I listen to podcasts on a daily basis. Um, I listen to personal growth stuff on a daily basis. And, and the reason why I really do it is because I see the results. Um, this is probably one of the few things in life that I've really engaged in and I see almost an immediate result. You know, I like, I like to say that I got into real estate, um, with some financial motivations, but then it's the growth that I achieved as I was working on my real estate goals that really propelled me further, that made me really love what I do because the growth I'm getting is not just on the financial side. It's on the personal side as well. I'm healthier today than I was when I started um, looking into investing in real estate. You know, uh, my mind is much clearer. You know, I, I'm 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 happier. You know, so I wake up every day with a new purpose for life because I looked into investing in real estate, and then that led me down this path. So on a daily basis, I keep feeding my mind with good content that helps my mind grows on my field on real estate. I listen to something on real estate on a daily basis. And listen to something on personal growth on a daily basis. So, Leslie, where where do you go from here after you've grown this real estate business, your personal developments, you know, in high gear? Do you have a future net worth goal or passive income goal or a number of doors that you're trying to get to, you know, five, 10 years down the road or maybe even 20 or 30? Yeah, our, our goal as a company in the next seven years is to have um, six to $7,000 in the management as a company. For me, as a personal goal, my personal goal is to is to teach, is to transfer the knowledge that I gain on this path to at least 1,000 people, you know, before I get to the end of my life. That's my goal, to mentor 1,000 people, to, to go in there, uh, create the path for myself, and then turn around and mentor 1,000 more people to follow on the same path. That is my goal. How do you, how are you planning on going about doing that? Um, just teach, just, um, come on platforms like this and tell people about what we do. And, um, I'm more open to talking about what I do to other members of my community, you know, and then anybody that's interested, I've already started. Uh, there, there are a few people that have reached out to me that I talk to on a regular basis and share whatever knowledge I have or whatever experiences I've had that could help them to step out of this path, you know, because, especially in like the minority, especially in minority communities, we have a lot of people that work really, really hard, you know, that work. These are hard workers that go out and work and go to school and get good degrees and uh, buried down in student loans and work really hard. But they don't know, they don't know that they, they are capable of achieving way more, at least for those that want to try. Not everybody wants to go down this path and it, it's perfectly okay. But at least for those that want that thing that they could contribute more, that they could do more, you know, I, I want to be able to help some of those people. Yeah. Well, good for you. It's commendable. So, you know, one thing, Leslie, that was discussed, and I know I know you talk about this, is is the you call it a myth, right? Of, of if you find the deal, the money will come. Yes. Has it been hard raising the money or why do you say that? What's the challenge about raising money? Why do you think that's a myth? Because I think I think you're right. I think often in real estate, people say, oh, if I find such a great opportunity, right, everybody's going to invest. And mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't I don't think that's the case. Right. Even if it is a great deal. So just curious to hear your thoughts there. We had that experience early on in our journey. Um, we had a, a great deal that um, we were invited to be a part of. And in exchange uh, to be part of the general partnership side, we had to raise a certain amount of equity. 
the deal was amazing. It was an outstanding deal. You know, I'm invested in that deal. I'm making money off of the deal. But we did not have the network, right? So, and a lot of people did not know that we were doing um, syndication at that point in time. We had not put the story out there to let people know what we're doing. So you cannot just all of a sudden have a good deal and you go meet Joe right off the street instead of telling him that um, you have this great deal, come and invest $50,000. It doesn't matter how good the numbers are. That person has to trust you first. So yeah, if you're in a good network of people that know you, that know what you do, that know that you, that, that have that trust in you and you come and present a deal, a good deal to them, they will invest. Yes. But you have to build that network first. You cannot just go out looking for the deal without having the network and expect a stranger to just trust you from the first time they saw you and invest in your deal. There has to be something back in that because what we found is it's about trust. Investors, people invest based on trust. And after that experience, we made some changes to our business model, becoming more vocal about what we're saying. And the subsequent deal we've had after that, we haven't had any issue with raising the money. We actually overraised way more than what we needed. Oh, good. Good for you. you know? So, um, but again, you got to go out and look for the good deals. But at the same time, you got to build a network of people that might be interested in investing in this deal. Yeah, so, it's, a good, it's a good answer. Yeah. So I know we're winding down on, on time here, but just curious, you know, you're fairly new, right? In real estate. I think that's fair yeah. to say, right? Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge or what's been, is there something that, that stood out to you that you said, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this or maybe a lesson learned? Is, is there something that was a, something that stood out? For me, it has just been overcoming uh, one fear after another. You know, when you come from a corporate or W2 background or Especially in my field, um, where uh, it's I'm in anesthesia, where we prepare for the worst so that the the best can happen in every scenario. That can be a good thing in business, but that can also be a, a disadvantage because a lot of times you get you can get stuck in the analysis paralysis. Um, so so for me, it has been the aspect of taking action, which I've learned over time, and I was blessed with a. With the partners that are very good at taking action, so and I trust them, so and I've followed behind them, and I've learned some very very strong and um, valuable lessons. So about your partnership, I'm just curious to ask because you just mentioned it. Some people say having a partner is the way to go, and some people say don't have a partner. Right? It's it seems like it's working for you, or you wouldn't be doing it. But does the partnership bring challenges, or is it mostly a good thing for you? For me, it's mostly a good thing, and for everybody, is different. You know, if you have, if you're someone that have challenges with working with other people, then maybe it's best for you to work on yourself. But uh, multifamily investing is a team sport. Even if you do it solo, you're still going to have to work with people. You cannot manage all the properties yourself. You cannot, if you really want to grow, you have to work with other people. So for me, working with someone else, working with a couple other people and growing together with that people, with those people, it's for me, it's like the most amazing thing. So I, I, I love my partners. I love working with them. So for me, it's not that it's not a challenge. I don't mind working with people at all. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So I just want to close up here with some rapid fire questions for you that, that we normally ask. So what's been the most expensive pair of jeans or pants that you've ever purchased? Uh, I actually had myself to a pair of jeans um, last November. I think it was like $140. Yeah. Okay. What about shoes? Ah, yeah, I, I love shoes. So um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I bought a pair for like four hundred and twenty dollars. Oh wow! 
What kind of shoes? Those dress shoes or? Yeah, dress shoes, dress shoes. Okay. Uh, what about car? Most expensive car? Um, that's, I don't, I, I don't buy expensive cars. Um, so I bought a car for my wife. It was like 30,000. But for me, I drive an $8,000 car. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. Most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for? Yeah, $40. 40 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever used a financial advisor? Someone to help you with your finances? I did. I tried once, but the guy was just trying to sell me a whole bunch of insurance plans. So I mm-hmm. ended up just learning on myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you're comfortable sharing, how much do you spend a year household spending? Um, A month is about $12,000. So well, I have two kids, my wife, and um, yeah, we have one on the way. So. Oh, wow. Congrats. 12000 a month. So is most of that like private schools? Yes, like school expenses. Yeah, my kids go to private school. Yes. Okay. Um, what's been your favorite books? I know you mentioned the one or are there other websites or podcasts that you would recommend that have helped you on your journey? Yes. Um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's a very good book. I listen to a lot of stuff on mindvalley.com, um, hosted by Vishen Likiani. I'm currently reading his book that just came out, The Buddha and the Badass, which um, is very good from the first two chapters I've read. Um, I listen to a lot of stuff from, um, from I listen to podcasts from Joe Fellas. As far as money-wise, I listen to Garrett Gunderson and his um, Wealth Factory series on, on YouTube. And his book, too, um, Killing Sacred Cows, is a great book. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if you're comfortable sharing, also here, range of household income through your working life. So maybe before you started in real estate, what what did your income get up to? Um, you mean before I started in real estate? Yeah, correct. Um, it was like about 300 a year. Oh, wow. So you had a great income. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what does it mean to be happy or fulfilled? And, and has growing your net worth and, and success as a real estate investor, has it brought you that? Has it made you more happy? I think um, what has made me the most happy is the aspect of growing every day, learning something new every day and understanding that um, the person that I am today, it's not the same person that I was yesterday. Um, that growth is what makes me happy. The, the money is just um, extra, extra on the side. At least the money helps with gets me better experiences. But for me, what keeps me happy on a daily basis is daily growth. Nice. Nice. Good for you. Good answer. Uh, do you have any, any debt or did you have any debt, personal debt or car debt, student loans? I still have some student loans left and, um, uh, a little debt on my wife's car. Otherwise no other. No other debt. Okay. Awesome. So just in closing here, Leslie, what advice would you give someone that we haven't touched on either an immigrant that's coming to the country and is, is maybe feeling the same way you did, right? And feeling that they can do more, they can contribute more. Maybe they want to get out of the rat race, right? So we call it. What, what advice would you give somebody? Don't limit yourself. Do not be afraid to try. Just reach out, break, get out of your circle, the comfort zone that the people that you're comfortable with go out and reach out to other people. Whatever dreams you have, you can achieve it. But you have sometimes you have to step out from that environment and surround yourself with people that are doing exactly what you're doing. And um, the world is not full of scary people. There are a lot of great people out there that are going to be willing to help you along the way. Please just believe in yourself and get out there and do it. America is a wonderful country. It's one full of opportunities and you just have to go out there and, and do the best for yourself.
Yeah, that's great. They say the average of the five people you spend the time around, right? So absolutely, that's exactly absolutely. what you're saying. So yeah. lastly, Leslie, where can people find you if they want to connect with you, or or if that's possible, where can they learn more about you? Absolutely, you could go on our website. It's um www.xsinxylophone s i t e that's excitecapital.com. And we also have a Facebook group called uh, The Exciting World of Multifamily Investing. You could um, join us in the group or you could find me. My name is Leslie Awasom on any of the social media platforms and send me a message directly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Leslie, for coming on the show. Really great story. And and we appreciate your candor and, and opening up and telling it. So thanks again, everyone. That's Leslie Networth of over 500 grand, new time real estate investor. Thanks again for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.